Welcome back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. Each week we cover a new topic and we pop open a new bottle of wine because some of these topics are, let's get real. A little dense. A little dense. But what's really exciting is today we are talking about endometriosis and what period pain is normal and what is not normal. And I'm very excited because we have our first guest (gasps) on the podcast, which is so awesome. She's an endometriosis specialist surgeon Mm -hmm. who's actually my doctor, yes, Dr. Iris Orbuck. We have her on the podcast today. But before we talk to Dr. Iris Orbuck, Nat, what are we drinking today? We are drinking the Sands Wine Company. You know I can't say it in French. Just try Carignan. Ooh, Carignan. Carignan. Is there a G N O N? It's a it's C A R I G N A N. Oh, Carignan. Carignan. Nyan. I don't, you know, I don't really not, know. That's definitely not a French it's, accent it's, we're doing. <laughs> it might have been more Spanish. Also, we both took French all throughout high school. And I took it in college. And I'm a member of the French Honor Society. And yet here we are. And yet here I am. Can't speak a word. Yeah. Not you know what's word. so interesting? You can pour yourself a glass. Yeah. If, Everybody loves this part, so. Oh, yeah. oh there you go. Mm. There we go. Mm. Mm. This one's also a twist top. You know we love a twist we top. We love a twist top. But what's so interesting, when I poured my glass, the color of it, it's like um, it's like a very... Like grape juice. Yes. It looks like grape. Like not like actually looks like juice. It's almost like it's very thin too. Yes. I know. I'm excited to try it. It's also eco-friendly, vegan-friendly. Um, no that- additives, chemicals, or pretense. Oh, so it's like more of a healthy wine. I guess so. No added sulfites. Which is... This is great for this episode because part of endometriosis involves managing your autoimmune diseases. And inflammation. inflammation. We're trying to be healthy out here. I'm yes. not sure how great alcohol is for inflammation, but Dr. Orbach did tell me that she enjoys wine. Yes, so maybe, maybe if we she are lets allowed. it pass, then I'm saying it's a go. It's a go from me. Yes. And just really quickly, the reason that we wanted to do this episode, like I had said, I was diagnosed with endometriosis in 2018 and I worked with Dr. Orbuck and she truly changed my life. I went from having horrible, debilitating periods to right now. I'm on my period and, and here you I'm are functional. And this morning I had a, I, I didn't have a lot of pain and, and she completely transformed my life. And this is such a common disease. One in 10 women, uh, experience endometriosis or, or I guess are diagnosed during their reproductive years, which is crazy a crazy amount of women and so many that are undiagnosed. I swear I know so many girls who or women who say they have these horrible periods, they have pain with sex, they have all these symptoms and I'm like, "Girlfriend, 
something's going something's on. Something's not right. Yeah, but it's so hard to get a diagnosis. It's so hard. To, you go Sometimes you go from doctor to doctor to doctor, mm-hmm. and you just keep being told, this is normal, this is normal, and it doesn't, it takes years sometimes to, yeah. to even figure it out. It's crazy. So, you know, we're going to have Dr. Orbach on, and I think she's going to really, first of all, explain what endometriosis is. Yes, what it is. is, if you've never even heard of it. I think she's going to talk about that, and I think she's going to just talk about some of the things that you should really look out for if you maybe are thinking, oh, I might have this. What should I do next? She's going to be our expert to discuss. So before we bring her on, we're just going to do a little brief intro of her accomplishments. She specializes in the treatment of endometriosis and is the director of the Advanced Gynecologic Laparoscopy Center... Did I say you that said right? That My correct. God, what a mouthful. In Los Angeles, she specializes in pelvic pain and the treatment of endometriosis and understands that it is a major reason why women experience pain. But she also wants to look at the whole body, see where anything else might be occurring in order to help women live pain-free and productive lives. She sees the value in addressing it as an inflammatory and autoimmune disease both with eastern and western approaches which i think is the best way to go you need a mix of both i totally agree what's really cool is that she summarizes her knowledge of endometriosis in her book beating endo by discussing cutting edge information regarding how the disease works and what the endo sufferer can do to take charge of her fight against this painful and often debilitating disease, which is so awesome because I got to work with Dr. Orbeck, which Mm -hmm. is such a privilege Mm -hmm. and to even just even find her as a privilege. And so to have this book accessible to people who might be thinking, I'm having these really painful periods. What do I do? What should I look for? Her book beating endo is such a great resource. Source, and we will have it linked in the show in the notes, notes for you guys say, with we'll that Amazon link. Don't you worry. Get that. Get that on Prime. So let's let's talk let's to Dr. Orbeck. Let's do Hello. it. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. You are actually our first expert our that first we're having on. Guest. I'm so honored. <laughs> yeah, you were like very high on our list when we were brainstorming people that we felt should be on the podcast at some point. And so we're super excited to have you. And if anyone doesn't know, you are actually my doctor or you were my surgeon. And I want to tell you that today, as I'm talking to you, I am on my period and I am fully functional <laughs> and able to go out in the world and do things. And that is a hundred percent thanks to you. Thank you for entrusting <laughs> me to care for you. That makes me so happy. I can't tell you, like I have chills. I don't know if you can see in my arms. When, when people can, they didn't realize how much pain they're in Mm -hmm, and then they feel like this new leash on life. There's nothing better for me Mm -hmm. than to hear what you just said. Yeah. Well, on our show, we kind of want to start with just like the basics. So for anyone who doesn't know what endometriosis is, which a lot of people maybe don't, can you give us the official doctor explanation of what it is? Sure, sure. And I'd love to because there's so much misinformation online mm-hmm. about endometriosis. So you know, it, it's amazing that there's roughly about 200 million women worldwide who suffer from endometriosis. So it's about 10% of women. Wow. And the symptoms of people with endometriosis can be very variable. One can have a bunch of uh, gynecological issues like painful periods, like you mentioned, or heavy periods, 
or painful sex. Uh, other people can have more gastrointestinal symptoms like bloating or constipation, diarrhea, um, painful bowel movements. Others can have more urological symptoms like painful urination, urinary frequency, getting up at nighttime. Other people are completely asymptomatic and they only find out when they're trying to have a child and they find out that their uh, level of ovarian reserve, like their good eggs, is, is low and they suffer from infertility. So what the disease is exactly, it's when we have cells that are similar to the lining of the uterus. So every month, we have an endometrium. That's the lining of the uterus that gets thicker and thicker and thicker, and then we shed it. And that's when we get our period. When we have cells that are similar to that lining of the uterus, but they're found outside of the uterus, that's known as endometriosis. So just mm -hmm. like the lining of the uterus gets thicker and thicker as a response to the different hormones that are coming from our ovaries, those hormones so too cause the cells outside of the uterus, those endometriosis implants to get thicker and thicker. But the problem is there's no exit point in the pelvis. So month after month after month, there's more and more of these um, abnormal cells. They get thicker and thicker. They pull the anatomy to the left and right. And then they can cause a whole host of, of those symptoms. And what's pretty crazy, no matter whether you have GYN symptoms and GI symptoms and urological or no symptoms or just infertility or a little bit of each, there's a delay in diagnosis in the United States of mm. 10 years from symptom onset to diagnosis. So that's wow. why any chance that I have to just, if, if I can affect one person and make their life better, I will drive however far you need me to drive. I'll <laughs> stay up however late I need to because to change one person's life is, I think that's why we became a doctor in the, in the first place. Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of endo in a nutshell. Wow. Well, you're obviously so passionate about it. Did you always know that you wanted to dedicate your career to endometriosis? How did you sort of get into that? You know, I, I kind of, I, I look at my life as just finding these amazing mentors. I'm I feel so blessed. I feel like my life has carried me in all these different places. And only when we look back do we realize, wow, like those things that seem really hard mm -hmm. are the most amazing things in our lives. I'm yes. very spiritual and I have like this very Eastern medicine side to me, even though I'm an MD. Um, but when I was in residency, um, I, the, the moment I walked into laparoscopic surgery, and that's kind of where they put the interns when they wanted to punish us. They sent us to a doctor who screamed and yelled all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what the chiefs did to the interns. So they sent me to this OR that the chiefs just none of them wanted to be at. So when I was on my GYN rotation, I walked into that OR and I was like, I'm in love. Like, this is where I belong. Like, I knew I wanted to do surgery. I love mm -hmm. using my hands. I play a lot of video games and played a lot of video games and a lot of sports mm -hmm. growing up. But when I walked into um, and I saw laparoscopic surgery, which is a lot of like hand eye coordination, um, and then I was lucky enough to train with, gosh, these two amazing mentors who were really pioneers in the field of endometriosis surgery, the particular surgery, endo excision. Mm -hmm. um, that's a particular kind of surgery that it's, that's the correct kind of surgery for endometriosis. And they were both at the end of their careers. And I was there just about their last fellow. And wow. I still look at them like father figures to me in, in every way. And I, I, I feel like the luckiest human being on this planet because they guided me in so many ways, not only yeah. professionally, but personally from a family perspective. And it's, I, I feel very lucky. Yeah. They put you on your life path Yeah, in a way. 
yeah. which, which brought you to me mm-hmm. and you've probably changed so many lives. And I think what you, you brought up earlier is kind of still sticking with me that it takes t- 10 years, a lot of the time for women to get diagnosed. And so because of that, there aren't a lot of people like you, right? There's not a lot of specialists in endometriosis or surgeons that are doing what you're doing. And do you have any idea why that is or why it takes so long to get diagnosed? Yeah. You know, if, if there, there's a, a, f- a few different reasons, I think what is being trained taught to residents during residency. So I did four years of OB, GYN training before I then went on and did a fellowship in minimally invasive surgery. Every single thing I learned about endometriosis in those four years was wrong. Wow. Um, I learned how to do the wrong surgery. I learned how to do burning or ablation. I learned more, and I tell this to everyone, in my first week of fellowship than I did in my four years of OBGYN training. So for there's a lot of different reasons. Um, there's the the push for medical management of endometriosis. That's mm-hmm. really every disease has big pharma just trying to inch their way into mm-hmm. the treatment, and a lot of uh, organizations get a lot of money from big pharma. So there's this mm-hmm. resistance. I'm um, a type one diabetic, uh, so I <laughs> I <well>. know. <laughs> yeah. So so thank goodness for medicines. Okay, I mean mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. we have a bacterial infection. We have strep throat can't imagine, you know, like the advent of penicillin, like we, we need medicine, but we also need holistic care and we also need a, a, a proper surgery. So there's the combination of the pharmaceutical industry, you know, pushing its way in. There's a big issue that endosurgery is really difficult, really, really challenging. I remember when I was largely in New York City, I used to get so many referrals from Sloan Kettering. Um, they didn't want to deal with their endometriosis benign cases, they were, they were, they were worse than cancer cases at times. Like because endo can stick onto the bowel and the bladder, it distorts the anatomy. It's, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult surgery. So general OBGYN is a field that's primarily primary care, kind of like an internist, you know, Mm -hmm. right. For your diabetes, you probably see an endocrinologist who specializes in it. Right. Um, so a general OBGYN is kind of, they need to do deliveries. What do you do if you get gonorrhea and chlamydia? What do you do if you have endometriosis? What do you do if you have like menopausal and you have vaginal dryness? What do you do if, you know, there's, there's a lot of, they're kind of like have a wide breadth, but a very narrow depth. Mm. So that's an Mm. issue that the surgery is hard, but one of the biggest issues is just from a financial standpoint, for whatever reason, our American College, um, our AMA, American College, American Medical Association, has not come up with a coding code for excision of endometriosis, which is just okay. So you can't bill it, right? Is that what you're saying? Well, people bill it a code for burning of endometriosis or ablation, ablation of endometriosis, but that's a very different surgery. If I do excision of endometriosis. I could do on some days one surgery because it could take me five hours or seven hours or nine hours. Sometimes it takes me two hours or three hours. I typically will book one case in a day or two. At most, I will do three, but not often. Someone who does ablation, they're putting the laparoscope in. That's the camera that we look in to see the entire abdomen and pelvis. And they, most of them, they don't even recognize the various lesions of endometriosis. They zap one lesion. 
they remove the camera, they would get the same reimbursement as someone who's an excision specialist who could spend eight hours in surgery. Mm. Wow. So the problem is, and it needs to be fixed, is that is that there is no code. And we have been pushing and pushing our um, AAGL, it's our international and our American organization with GYN laparoscopy. We've been pushing and trying to get the AMA, American Medical Association, to create a code. But I think the voice really has to come from patients. Mm-hmm. I think all the patients and need to band together and like literally let's have a march on Washington. We I'm there. I'm so there. Ago because it's, it's really the insurance company. Some insurance companies pay $200 for an excision of endometriosis surgery. Like when I was in New York, I'm primarily based in LA now, medical malpractice could cost $200,000 a year. Yeah. Wow. So to make $200,000 malpractice, you have to make $400,000 in surgery. Uh-huh. So if insurance reimburses $200, a good insurance, $1,000, how many surgeries do you have to do to just pay malpractice? Forget right. about office. I give, I give health insurance. I give staff, people who are getting authorizations for surgery. It takes from the time someone books a surgery, it takes about 20 hours of my office work, my staff just to get to have everything run smoothly from beginning to end. So how can you do that for $200? Like, so, and I don't, I think that people don't understand it. And I would love to join forces with every single patient organization and get the truth that's out there. And Shannon Cohn of Endo What is Mm -hmm. really trying to get that um, push out there. And she's doing an amazing job. So that's to answer your short question in a really <laughs> No, this is so difficult. informative. No coding and, um, and you know, just medical pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. yeah. And, and because of all of these, like, these barriers that you're talking about, like, I feel like, like you're saying, like, the patients really have to have their own voice. And mm-hmm. at least for me and my journey, I went to, when I was having symptoms, I went to my normal OBGYN who literally said, oh, uh, yeah, that sounds really bad. You should probably like go to somebody else and look at that. Like she just had no idea mm-hmm. about how to handle any of my symptoms. And this is a very common experience where you go from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor. Passed around. And you just hear either it's normal, the pain you're feeling, or I don't know what that is. You should go to somebody else and get referred. And I went down this line for like six months where I started to think, am I crazy? Like maybe, maybe this is just how bad it is for everyone during their periods. Maybe everyone's fainting when they're, you know, having a cramp is maybe everyone's doing this and maybe I am being really sensitive. Um, I I guess what my question is to you is like, as a patient kind of advocating for themselves, how do you know what is normal period pain and what is something that you really need to advocate to get help for? Because like you said, there are so many barriers to just finding, getting a diagnosis, Mm -hmm. um, the correct diagnosis and the correct treatment. It took me six, seven, eight, nine months to find you. Yeah. And, you know, I I think, and, and I think probably I'm trying to think back to our initial meeting together. I have to now build trust with a patient mm-hmm. who's been either told incorrect information about endometriosis or in fact said, no, you don't have endometriosis. And so that initial meeting, I'm throwing in 
all of these <laughs> new things that, and every patient says, wow, everything you just said makes sense. Mm-hmm. But so, so people have to, um, there, there's just such a barrier to um, getting to that point. So your question, I was about to go off on a tangent, but I want to make sure I answered your <laughs> yeah. question. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, what, what is like the specific, I mean, I don't know if it's symptoms or, okay. or what, is, what is kind of routine period pain and okay. then the difference between that and something that you need to really Would advocate for. Yeah. Like what are, the, what are the symptoms that you, I know you went through them at the top, but like I think some of them are, you know, could be mistaken as normal period you know, cramps or, yeah. you know, when does it cross that line mm-hmm. into yeah. being a normal period situation to this is probably endometriosis? Yeah. I think if, if, if it's interfering with your work, with your life, with your social relationships, if you're withdrawing from social activities, um, you're not wanting to engage in those things that you used to love. Like I have some patients who love to act and they don't even want to, these high schoolers don't even want to try out for the school play. I have other um, patients who are either athletes all the way to triathletes, like they don't even want to sign up for that competition, even though it's such their passion to do those things. Other patients who are artists, they just like, they can't create because they feel so miserable. So if, if you're withdrawing from anything in your life, um, if you were that kid in high school, who's going to the nurse's office because of stomach pain, um, too much pain is if you're popping Advil, if you're, you just, you just don't feel well, you're having sex and it hurts. Um, one thing that's just amazing as a teenager, if you're having really painful periods, painful periods that take you to the nurse's office or take you out of engaging in you know, social activities, right then and there, studies have shown that 70% of teens have endometriosis. Wow. So that's where I want endo to be picked up. That's my big push um, is to get teens diagnosed with endometriosis. So we're picking it up. I'm empowering them. I'm engaging with them. It doesn't mean they need to jump in and have surgery, but we can start talking about like what is normal, what isn't. Let's Mm -hmm. try and make you healthier. Um, Keep an eye on it. One thing that you said, I think you have to trust yourself because doctors... It, it, I've heard this over and over where doctors say to a patient, oh, you're having painful, painful sex, have a glass of wine, which I know you guys love wine. <laughs> have a glass of wine before you have sex. So patients are constantly being dismissed. I think you have to know your body and you know yourself and you have to keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on plugging until you you know yourself. I had this issue with... with um, someone in my family. I knew there was something going on. We went to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor for like three years until I finally figured out what that something was. And I'm a doctor and it took me that long. So I I just trusted my gut that there was something. So you have to trust yourself. Yeah. And I think that can be hard too sometimes as women, because we're told kind of just suck it up, you know, or you're acting crazy, whatever. And that can really get in the way of a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you're playing it down for yourself, even. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think the problem with endometriosis is we don't have imaging to show that you have it, right? You mentioned you're diabetic. So you look at blood sugar, hemoglobin, A1C, there's markers, yeah. right? You have blood work and they know it. Endometriosis and ultrasound is normal. MRI is normal, CAT scans normal, blood works normal. 
So the doctor who had that same training that I did, which, you know, was all not appropriate training, they don't know any better. So I, right. I, I think in the movie, I don't know if you have seen the Endo What documentary I, by I Shannon have, Cohn, but yeah, there's, there's a line and I recommend everyone to watch it. It's a great documentary. I'm not putting a plug in it, but there's, mm-hmm. there's a line in it. Mary Lou Balawag, who heads one of the endometriosis organization, and I didn't quite understand it at the time. She said, you have to know your disease better than your doctor, or you have to know your enemy better than your doctor. I can't, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And I didn't quite get it until I was faced with that issue in my family where I had to be that advocate and I had to learn more than the doctor. Yes. And then, and I said, I just want a doctor to go to, like people come to me and I, I fix them and I change them from head to toe. And I want one of them to fix my family member. Mm-hmm. And then it, that's when it dawned on me that we, it's unfortunate, but we do need to be our own advocate. And I think kudos to you to for helping empower your listeners to know, hey, there's something wrong with me. Oh, hey, there's something wrong with my friend. Yes. Oh, hey, my friend's sister is always complaining of her period. Or, mm-hmm. you I know, I, I think yes, kudos so many to friends like that. That's where it starts with raising awareness and proper education and then proper, you know, getting to the right channels. Like my right. hope is it took you, what, six months or eight months to get to me? It, yeah, something something like that. Mm-hmm. But, but you had been suffering for- Oh, I had been suffering ever. for- for, yeah. Forever, right? Like, like I would hope that you know, you know, we can get someone within even six months is too long. So I think by the more work, like what the two of you guys are doing, that's 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 the best thing that you can do. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's like I can think off the top of my head. I won't name names, but like three close girlfriends that I have symptoms of endometriosis and I'm like, you know, I really think you should, you know, go see another doctor or <clears throat> go see Warbuck or, you know, this, that, but, um, they're just like, no, this is normal or no, I've gotten it checked out. And I'm like, you're vomiting on your period. Yeah. It just seemed, and you're in so much pain during sex or this, or that. And it's just so crazy to me how normalized it is, but I think doing stuff like this, you are such a great advocate and you're really out on the front lines and you have your book, Beating Endo, which is so, so um, informative and all the kind of lessons that you instilled in me, I think are also in the book, which is so helpful. Like even just diet and all of these other things that come into play in this like inflammatory disease. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I do, I do also agree that we just have to get the word out and, and you're doing such great work. Thank you. Yes. Actually, I wanted to touch on this. Speaking of inflammation mm-hmm. and having an inflammatory disease. So because, you know, I've never experienced endometriosis and I, and I'm just now learning more and Corinne has taught me so much also from what you've taught her. If you are, let's say you are that high schooler who, and I'm now thinking back to high school and some of my girlfriends who would stay home Mm because their cramps were so bad. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to call them after this. um, Is there something that you can do earlier on maybe before surgery or whatnot that can help take down the inflammation or lessen your symptoms? Like a more Eastern? Oh yes. Oh yes. Dr. Orbeck, she will not have surgery (laughs) with you until you do all of this stuff. She's 
Yes. So when we, when I was writing the book with my co-author, Amy Stein, Amy Stein is a pelvic floor physical therapist. So I was going to write the book and I went to Amy, a friend and colleague. And I said, you know, listen, let's, let's write this book together. It's going to be so much better if we join forces. And the whole time we were writing the book and I, I, I loved writing it. We kept saying that this book can be used for any autoimmune disease or any inflammatory disease. Anyone can just you know, remove the title beating endo, like how to reclaim your life. Like we could just, if that could be the title, and we, we really think most of the book is applicable to anyone, whether you have Hashimoto's, whether you have, if it's like Check. type one diabetes, you know, like <laughs> autoimmune yes. uh, and anything, any, any autoimmune issues, because mm-hmm. essentially the endo implants, what they are, they're pro-inflammatory. So they set up this whole cascade of inflammation. So yes, the implant, well, implants really can be found anywhere in the body. Um, They can be in the abdomen, they can be in the pelvis, they can be in the lung, the diaphragm, appendix. It's been found in just about every organ of the body. But let's say you have an implant like in the back of your uterus or by your ovary. That implant releases all these inflammatory mediators that goes all over your body. So that's why no matter what autoimmune disease someone has, fatigue is one of the biggest things. They may look great, like physically, you know, they, 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 externally they look fine, but internally there's just inflammation from head to toe, mm-hmm. essentially. That's why I get like hives. Invisible diseases, yes. Yes, hives, exactly, because hives are like – you, you have inflammation that releases um, these mast cells that release histamine. It's like these whole chain case cascades of, of inflammation. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do is I like to, when my patients come into my office, try and identify all the different reasons why they have inflammation. And if you've had any condition that's been going on for 10 years or you're predisposed to an autoimmune disease, there's a lot of things that have happened. Plus, we lived in such an industrialized society, and glyphosates and all this crap is sprayed all over our food. We learned about glyphosate. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, you know, I was that kid who loved to go run barefoot on the grass. It was probably just sprayed with Kemlon, you know? Yes. Kemlon back in the Midwest was mm-hmm. like, who knows? It was probably like Roundup all Round over up. the ground. And I was, you know, like an outdoor kid hiking. Anyway, so... Um, we need to we need to look at the body. So first thing is the food that you're eating is so important. Um, organic, organic, organic. If money's an issue, I say go to Trader Joe's buy frozen organic mm. instead of fresh. It's like a really cheap way to get organic. You know, if you eat uh, chicken or fish, or if you're not vegan, buy like the family packs of organic chicken. It's much less per pound. And every Sunday, like or Saturday, whatever day is a free day for you, divide it up into seven meals. Mm-hmm. So this way, it's individually packaged. In the morning, you just have to pull it out to defrost. You can you have all your frozen vegetables. You can make something you know fairly quickly. Same thing. You can make smoothies with frozen organic vegetables. So what you eat is so important. And and gluten as well, right? Gluten. Yeah. Gluten is very Mm pro-inflammatory. And no matter whether someone's a doctor who specializes in Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid disease or any autoimmune disease, we know that gluten really um, uh, causes a lot of inflammation for just about any autoimmune disease. And some people find dairy very pro-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like to look at it as like, oh, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. I'm like that glass is half like full you know, kind of human <laughs> being. I'm really an optimist. I like to like find what can people eat. And I, and I, and, um, I think that there's 
there's plenty of stuff that one can eat. We just have to be creative. There's plenty of sources. So the way we eat, um, all of the uh, products, even soap, shampoos, makeup. I'm trying to get all good makeup. It's been a bit of disastrous yes. the last like seven months. I've been trying. I have like the eyeliner that comes down to my chin. That's kind of, I've been trying to do that. I got a good blush so far, but that's all I've gotten. I spent a lot of money on all. Someone yeah. has, anyone has any recommendations for good makeup mm-hmm. lines that are healthy? Please. Is Bare Minerals good? Is that a good one? Oh, I bought one lipstick by them. I did okay. like their lipstick. Okay. Um, so the environment, whether it's makeup, whether it's lotion, shampoos, conditioners, I'm a big fan of the EWG or the Environmental Working Group. I'm not sure if you've heard of the EWG no, I've never or heard Skin Deep. Oh, this you've got to Google the Environmental Working Group or Skin Deep. It's EWG. There's an app as well. Okay. And we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. You basically put in any product, like seventh generation kitchen antibacterial spray mm-hmm. or bare minerals or Johnson's and Johnson's this or yeah. whatever you want from, and it'll come up from zero to 10, 10 being the most caustic and zero meaning being the healthiest, meaning the least parabens, the least sodium lauryl sulfate, so the least phthalates, the least fragrances, because most um, endo patients and any autoimmune patients have a lot of sensitivities, right? You were talking about the mass, the, the hives because mm-hmm. histamine is being released. Mm-hmm. This is something I learned. Um, my younger daughter is 14. When she was six months old, she was allergic to, you name it, everything from when she was born wow. under the sun. And I met a mom at like a, at a friend's house. She's like, have you ever heard of EWG? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she's like, what are you doing for your daughter? I'm like, well, I went to the doctor and they gave me steroids. They're like, Oh no. <laughs> and so they, they told me about the EWG and within two weeks of changing the products in my house, her bathtub and everything, my daughter, like she was like a new, a new baby. She went from this red scaly all over her body, eczema, terrible to being perfectly fine. So, um, I, so we talked about the foods that we're eating. We talked about the environment, changing everything, everything in my house, I have air purifiers, everything, Every, everything those. that's yeah, used to clean anything in my home has got to be an EWG three or less. I'm prompted to do it. I have to do it because my, for my daughter, she, yeah. she needs it. So I've been at this for about 13 and a half years, essentially, yeah. you know, I ditched the plastics and we went to glass and anything to keep her healthy is how I started. And the and environment. Then, and the environment, right. Um, and then um, I'm a big fan of pelvic floor physical therapy, kind of. Yes, almost, which I did. Which, which is so helpful for patients with endometriosis. From an all autoimmune disease perspective, I think when we're in pain and we're uncomfortable, we start moving. We're not moving. We don't move correctly, essentially. Mm-hmm. Or if we get constipated, we're straining because our gut's not functioning. So it's also really important to assess the gut and build up our gut. Most autoimmune diseases, patients have um, a bacterial overgrowth. It's called I had SIBO. SIBO. Mm-hmm. SIBO. I had SIBO at one point. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very so most autoimmune things. <laughs> yeah. So there's this whole, like my book could just be how to reclaim your life. Just don't read that chapter about endosurgery, which is one of the last <laughs> chapters anyways. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, most autoimmune patients have a bacterial overgrowth because they have inflammation throughout their body. It causes gut inflammation. So I believe in uh, 
evaluating for and treating the SIBO, I'm finding about 80 plus percent of my endo patients have SIBO. And now I'm really big into my uh, patients working with an integrative nutritionist. Obviously it costs some money, but um, she basically then builds up people's gut. She does these four month programs that now builds up people's gut. So they won't have this recurrent and recurrent SIBO. Um, and she works with people like also mind body. That's another thing that I really recommend if people there's, there's a baseline anxiety, depression, past trauma that we all have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And then there's an anxiety, depression, trauma that comes on from the medical community towards patients from saying, oh, your, your ultrasound is normal. There's nothing wrong with you. Oh, suck it up. So we, we need to address all those things because the same part of our brain that's modulating pain is the same part of our brain that's modulating anxiety, depression, trauma. So it, we kind of need a whole body release. Fully and holistic. Yeah. Fully holistic. Holistic. And I like to watch my patients. I love to operate, but I never push anyone towards surgery. I hope you never felt. No, not at all. I, I, I was pushing you yeah, surgery. Yeah, you were yeah. like, no, great, you need to do this. It was, we worked together probably for at least a few months before yeah. even considering to schedule it. Like yeah. I had to go through the, the diet and I think you put me on low potassium diet uh -huh. and did, I did pelvic physical therapy. Um, and then I, we did all this stuff just to get to surgery. So mm -hmm. I was like in a lower inflammation state, which mm -hmm. I just had never thought a doctor would talk the way that you do because you are so holistic, which is so awesome. And I literally, we could talk to you forever, but I know you <laughs> have to like go save lives and change people's <laughs> lives and um, have more people be in the position that I am where I can talk to you today on my period, which is so awesome. Um, but thank you. Thank you so much for your time and for just schooling us. Yes. I think this is going to be so helpful. I mean, as you're talking, there's just so many bells going off in my head and I, I want to read your book because I thought it was a predominantly endometriosis based book, but oh yeah, you would benefit from it because you know, I've got and inflammation. I, I sometimes get psoriasis, you know, yeah. and the thing with in, um, with inflammatory diseases and with autoimmune diseases is usually there's, if there's one, there's another. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's important that you talk about having, you know, covering all these different symptoms of maybe several different inflammation based yeah. problems. Mm -hmm. And hopefully women listening to this or even men who have wives and sisters who, who Daughter. have these really intense periods can just hear this and be like, wait, maybe I should get this checked out. Yes. And so hopefully we're, we're blasting this out to a lot of people that are going to be helped. So thank you again. And hopefully we'll have you on some more and we'll just keep talking. It's my pleasure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I was, this was great. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I love that you're feeling better. And, and I'm just realizing you're wearing yellow, the color of endo. Was that intentional? No, okay. I didn't even know yellow was so, the color of endo. Yes. Yeah, so March is endo awareness month and we, you know, like how pink is breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yellow is the endo color. So usually in March we, you know, try and, uh, we're more oh, yellow. Oh our, our ribbons are yellow and so Subliminal on. messaging. Wow. I did not know You're that. Conscious. Yellow looks nice on you. So that's a good thing. <laughs> thank you. Well, I will definitely be wearing yellow in March <laughs> and thank you so much and have a great day. Yay. My pleasure. This was All great. Right. Thank you so much. Thank, oh, thank you. you. All right. Bye. Wow. Natalie, we just learned <laughs> so much. <laughs>
so much information. So much information. And I even now, I have so many like questions that I'm just in the back of my head like, oh, I wonder about this and that and that. I feel like now, first of all, I haven't read the book. You have. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick it up. Yo, you should. Because your girl's got like three autoimmune diseases. <laughs> and so Who now, knows how many else? <laughs> uh, who knows? And I'm sitting there thinking, because I'm also a hypochondriac, I'm like, oh, I'm the asymptomatic person. I have asymptomatic endo and I'm going to go in for to have a baby and they're going to be like, oh, sorry, no. No, don't worry, but you have Dr. Orbuck I've got who Orba. you can rely on. But yes, yes, her book is awesome and we, again, are going to link it in the show notes. So just to wrap it up, we hope that you guys learned a lot about endometriosis, what this disease is, what the common symptoms are, and most importantly, when to see a doctor about your period pain you if you're in excruciating pain put this on pause okay number one pause pause. by beating endo by beating (laughs) go to the show notes click the link buy the book proceed from there yeah okay you do not need to be in excruciating pain no and even if a doctor is telling you what it's normal like she said trust your intuition Mm -hmm. because there's so many girls i know out there who think they have normal period pain and i know from going through it that it is not but we're just conditioned to believe that we should just be in pain all the time right anyways but if you guys a whole other episode (laughs) jesus christ so if you guys have any questions feel free to dm us at am i doing this right pod or email us at Am I doing this right? Pod at gmail.com. And please don't forget to rate and review. It really helps our podcast. And we're trying to get featured over here. Okay. Okay. Because okay. we also would like this information to be spread to more people. And I think women especially need to hear this. Absolutely. So, Nat, let's we let's circle back on circle the Circle back on this. First of all, our hottie. Would you like to talk about the hottie? Because she's a special edition oh, hottie. yeah. So, our hottie of the week is Halsey. Halsey. And not just because she obviously is a hottie and a music genius right, and right, has right. a voice of an angel and all, all of the above. She also is an endo warrior, yes, just like is. me. She has endo and is... And discusses it publicly and i think that's amazing i I, it really is so important because when i was going through my whole journey i felt so alone Mm -hmm. and um halsey was someone there's like youtube videos of her speaking about her endo and and just having somebody in the public eye talking about it is huge i would be nowhere without the patron saint yes nick jonas (laughs) He's the only one we've got, but I'm like, you know. Because Nat has type 1 diabetes. Because I'm type 1 diabetes. And so is Nick Jonas. Yes. He's really our only one, though. When we, I mean, spoiler alert, when we do the type 1 diabetes episode, it's probably going to be Nick have. He's going to be the hottie of the week again. (laughs) Can can more famous people get type 1? (laughs) Jesus Christ. We're out here alone. I'm I'm sure there's got to be other ones. There's got to (sighs) be. But anyways, okay. But anyways, our hottie of the week is Halsey. Halsey. And... She's kind of like, she's kind of a badass. She is. You know, she's also mixed. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah. She's, uh, she talks about being mixed and how she's passing. Yes. She's like a, she passes as a white person. Yes. And her privilege because of that. Mm-hmm. I Okay. So she's wh- outspoken. She's bold. She's bold. She's badass. Mm-hmm. Can you remind us of the wine one oh more time? God. Carignan? Carignan. 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 That sounds, that sounds better. Who knows if we're saying it right, but it will be linked in the show notes if you want to get this. What are we rating this to Halsey? So, Loki, I hate it. Oh, whoa. I just got slammed in the face. 
Whoa, was not expecting that. Okay. I'm, do you like it? The thing is I love is it's really smooth. I don't um, know why I don't like it. Okay. I think this is the first one we've had where I'm like, no, it's a no for me. However, I think I said maybe on the first episode of our show, on a episode, I said, if you put a glass of wine in front of somebody from Napa, they're going to drink it. So you're, so you're, you're still drinking. I'm still drinking it. I don't love it. Okay, so one to Halsey, what is, what is this? What is this wine? For me, it's a four. Whoa, shocking. Are we, are we, uh, but you know what? I think that everybody's got their own opinion. So you tell me. I'd give it a seven. Wow. This is our, this is an am I doing this right first? It's a first. Okay, so you guys, you might have to go pick up this bottle and tell us what you think. Sans or Sans Wine Company. Wow. Okay. What, what are we going to average that out to? A four and a a five and a half. That was fast math. Is it? Six. Four and seven? There's got to be some weird 0.5 on there. I'll, I'll do that. It's 11 divided by two. Five and a half. Five and a half. Yeah. It's a five and a half. That's pretty low. It's low, but it's because of me. I threw the low in there. Five and a half out of I Halsey. Don't. Okay. That, that's it. All right, guys, we're going to actually play a new game. It's not really a game as much as just a new wrap-up. We have a new segment, and it's, it's... It's called Random Trivia. Random Trivia. <laughs> we're just going to throw something absolutely random at each other. Yeah. And then see how the other person reacts. Yes. Not, I feel like you have some facts you really want to say. So I love random facts. Yeah. My brain is filled with random facts, just taking up space, absolutely rent-free. But here's the thing. As I was driving over here, I have two that I think about at least twice a week. Oh, wow. I feel like I've got to have heard these before. You must have because I talk about them all the time. Mm-hmm. So please, I'm going to tell our listeners one, only one of them. But mm-hmm. you decide right now. Should I tell a fact about American history or ancient history? Ancient history because we did have our president's episode. That's true. Okay. This blows my goddamn mind. <laughs> King Tut's tomb uh-huh. was sealed, unknown to the world, for 3,000 years, which is longer. It's 1,000 years longer than Jesus to now. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Because it's 2020, right? We go right. by BC. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine. Before from- Jesus. 3,000 years before Jesus, is that what you're saying? No, no, no. It's the same amount of time. Oh, between us and Jesus. But add another thousand years. Right. That nobody even... Nobody even knew it was there. That's insane. 3,000 years. It Shit. sat there. Our like 80 years on earth feels like nothing. It feels like absolutely nothing. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. That is real. That's a real... That's a cool fact. And then when they opened his tomb, it was perfect. That's well, what's so crazy about well, it. Well, the, they like... Uh, what do they do? Embalm them. Yes, but all of his, all of his um, goods and belongings, yeah, jewels, yeah, like that. all his mat, his sarcophagus, everything. Insane. Isn't that crazy? That is really crazy. I know. Even when I was in Egypt and I saw all of his stuff, like his little shoes, like 3,000 year old flip flops. Well, longer, I mean, longer than 3,000 at this yeah. point, like 6,000. But yeah. Wow. That's insane. That's a great fact. Great right? fact, right? It's great to tell like, that you already have that in your head and you just you can whip it out. <sighs> it sucks, though, because I, I just think about these things too much. <laughs> okay. But anyways. Um, do you want to hear my reaction? I do. Back? She just looked this up. I literally just looked this up. The wood frog can hold its pee for eight months. 
Wow. <laughs> I wonder why. Like, why would it need to? I don't know. But I wish I, I could. literally scrolled and I looked at the most random thing and I was like, whatever this is, I'm going to go with it. And it was that the wood frog can hold its pee for eight months. You know who wishes they could do that? Joe. No, I was thinking of... That's my boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we all wish we could hold it along because like road trips and stuff. But um, the that one astronaut that was like a crazy person and drove across the country in diapers. Remember that? I don't... Yes, yes. I, this was like yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. She would have loved to have that skill. <laughs> the skill of a wood frog. Yeah. And I'll leave you guys with that, with that image. And... um. That's about it from us, you guys. Love you so much. Yeah, tune in next week for another topic. And we'll see you then. Love you. Love you. (laughs)